We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Barry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. Our good friend Charles Morris of Haven Today spending a little time with us. Charles, you flew down to Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. I'm sure you didn't fly into Wilmore because there's there's no airport there. But you went down to see for yourself the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Tell us about the backstory of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Asbury. I would love to. Last Saturday, I was able to get with a number of students, four students that were part of a group of students at the seminary, not the university across the street where this outpouring, that's what they're calling it now, an outpouring, not a revival. That's where it broke out. But these students at Asbury Seminary in 2019, they started praying. They began in February 2019 praying for revival, first in their own hearts, then in their school, and then to go out from there. And I think that's what happened because you know, on February 8th, you've got the assistant baseball coach who led devotions that day. You've got 1,700 students. All of the on-campus students at Asbury University are required to go to chapel three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Most of the students are probably apathetic. They don't really want to go to chapel. And right after he finished doing the little devotion, message, whatever you want to call it at that chapel service, that assistant baseball coach, who's a Jewish believer, Hmm. called his wife and said, I think I've done the worst job I've ever done of giving a message for the kingdom. And then a few handful of students stayed on, and they just decided they wanted to just stay and pray a little bit. And it was very ordinary. It's a Gen Z outpouring The university and the seminary administration, faculty, they didn't want to take any credit for this. They didn't want to fan the flames of this. If this is a work of the Lord, let the Lord do it. So it's a student revival, just as there were children's revivals that took place in Europe hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Yeah, that is just, uh, we've talked about it quite a bit on on Perry and Shauna mornings, it, it reminds me of what I got to witness as a boy up in Sheboygan, Michigan. This was mm. about, about 1970, and the Holy Spirit was being poured out. There was the Jesus movement, which, well, there's mm-hmm. a film in theaters right now. Jesus Revolution. Yeah, it's a great movie. I, I was talking to Greg Laurie last week, and he was just reminiscing about this. And of course, he's one of the heroes in that movie. About that time as well, 1970, there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Catholic churches and in mainline churches. So Lutheran, Methodist. So I got to witness this outpouring of the Holy Spirit as a boy. That's when I came to faith. And Charles, I grew up on 551 O'Brien Drive, Sheboygan, Michigan. And Mm. my dad built our house and the living room is not that large, but there was one evening and my dad still talks about this. We had 45 people in our living room. This was a evidence of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People so hungry. We had 45 people in our living room. Most of them were Catholics. Wow. And it was so 
beautiful to see that and now to see this again. We can say for sure an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Asbury. It's a beautiful thing. I want to back up to Charles, how Charles, you were mentioning Zach Meerkrebs. He's the assistant baseball coach at Asbury. And he's the guy that gave the message in chapel the day the outpouring broke out. And he thought he completely blew it. He thought he completely whiffed and that he struck out and that it just had no effect at all. And that's so encouraging because how many times do I feel that way? Like I do a show here, we do a show here and we'll look at each other and say, well, we didn't have it today. Yeah, right. You know, but <laughs> God still, it isn't about us. No, it is so not about us. And I've got to tell you, this is just hitting home like big time for me right now. I had a speaking engagement over the weekend and I honestly stepped off the platform and apologized to the Lord. (laughs) Like, I am so sorry. I had these, you know, these images of grandeur of what it was going to look like and how it was going to be this time of ministry. And and I felt like I needed to cut my time short at the end because I was looking at the clock. And I mean, honestly, I look back at it now. They flew me across the country, you know, and compensated me. Clearly, I could have taken as you know the time that they gave me. You felt like giving it back, right? Yeah, right. I, yeah, I did feel like giving it back, but I just I thought, oh my gosh, I just blew it, you know, and I felt so bad. But this is such a reminder. I'm encouraged by him saying that because the Holy Spirit's going to do what the Holy Spirit's going to do, and yes, we want to be responsible, and yes, we want to represent Him as best we can. But it's just not about us. It's not about Zach. It's not about me. It's about us being used by the Holy Spirit. And man, we want him to show up in a powerful way. So I want to encourage you to just keep your hand to the plow. Just keep doing what you're doing. And, and when you, you know, when you represent God and you don't feel like you have hit the mark, you feel like you blew it. It's about God. He works by the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking of, let's see, it's first Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because your labor is not in vain. I love how God speaks to us and I love how it's never the same. You know what I mean? If we, if God spoke to us the same way every single time, we'd just be looking for that method instead of looking for him and listening for his voice. And he can get our attention certainly through a Sunday morning message. You betcha. But also like you could be driving down the road and there could be a sign on a truck where God just kind of captures your attention and, and can speak to you through that. He speaks in dreams and visions through his word, for sure, 100%. And then just in casual conversations that we have with one another. So I was in California over the weekend and I stayed with my sister Jody and her daughter Lauren lives with them. And we were, we happened to just be getting ready for the day together. She was sharing her bathroom with me. So we're side by side in front of the mirror and we're doing our hair and makeup and kind of just getting ready to take off. But she's a pediatric ICU nurse at Chalk Hospital in Southern California. And she just has a very, very stressful, intense job. And I was asking her how she dealt with difficult parents when she's caring for their sick kids, because this is, I mean, it's not just their kids in the hospital, their kids in ICU. Mm. And so there's got to be rough moments in that, right? Yeah. So she shared with me two primary things. She said, you know, I know I'm with them in 
the most difficult moment of their lives and they're probably not at their best. And I'm thinking, oh girl, so much grace. I mean, so much wisdom, right? And secondly, she said, every single one of them is deeply loved by God. And she said, when I see them the way that God sees them, then I want to treat them the way that God would treat them. I'm like, oh my goodness, this young woman is wise beyond her years. She's a Jedi already. She is. And it kind of opened up a conversation for us about like choosing not to be offended when somebody's offensive, you know what I mean? And she's reading this book called Unoffendable, How Just One Change Can Make All of Life Better. It's by Brant Hansen, who happens to be a radio guy. Oh, yeah. 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 So I want to get my hands on this book. If you've read it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But we talked about how, you know, part of not being offended is just choosing to steward your emotions well. You know, what do you do with anger that pops up when someone says or does something that's offensive to you? Just because they're offensive doesn't mean that we need to be offended. And then she shared, as she was sharing this, the Lord was reminding me of moments, even in like the last couple of days prior to us having this conversation, moments that I was offended. And I was reminded of um, just a short clip that I saw of Michael W. Smith. It was in the Holy Spirit movie or the Holy Spirit film. It's a documentary. But anyway, he said two things that I will never forget. He said, number one, I want to be a perfect conduit for the spirit of God. And number two, I want to never be offended again as long as I live. I thought, dang, that's a good goal. That's a great goal for your life. It is. Perfect conduit of the Holy Spirit and never be offended again as long as I live. And then I, I was just asking myself as I'm having this conversation with my niece, right? Like, what does it look like for me to never be offended again? And I think it means, you know, I'm not responsible for righting every wrong. And it means personally just laying down my pride. It means that my identity isn't connected to what was said. My identity is solidly in who God says I am. You know, he loves me and he promises he's always going to be with me. That's it right there for me. It's, it's where do I get my identity? Do I get my identity from what people think of me? Yeah. You know, whether good or bad. So I want to surround, if it's from what people think of me, I want to surround myself with people who just adore me and worship me and say all kinds of nice things and just, you know, build me up all the time. Yes, people. And uh, keep away from those people who say negative things. But that's just a really toxic way to live. Mm. And so I think if I were to never be offended again, I would have my identity firmly rooted Mm -hmm. in being loved by my Abba. Yep. And I'm on that journey. I'm I'm not there yet because I still get offended. But you know, to to know that God loves me, and and I found myself doing this recently when when I feel like I'm getting some shade from somebody, Mm -hmm. I find myself saying, "Abba, I belong to you, Mm -hmm. Abba." I belong to you. And just resetting in that moment that my sense of worth isn't coming from the shade. Right. It's coming from the Lord. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. That could be a t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Not from the shade, from but from the but Lord. From the Lord. I have a different way of saying the same thing, but it's just a way of reminding myself. So the words that I use is just, you know, when somebody throws shade my way to to steal your expression there is just, Lord, you're here. And you love me so well. Like I'm safe. You know, I'm loved in this moment because we can be, 
we can be like hypersensitive to the fact that we're being judged in the moment. And that feels really scary and really risky and very unsafe to me. But God, you're here and you love me perfectly and I'm safe. Right here, right now. Yeah, right here. He's right here, right now. God, you're going to hear me say that a time or two. But what would it look like for you to never be offended again? Proverbs 19.11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger and it is the glory It is his glory to overlook an offense. Hmm. Let's live that out together. Let's do it today. Charles, when you were there, what were you hearing? A lot of people were talking about radical humility and also holiness. Like Isaiah 6, I have unclean lips. Hmm. I'm undone. I've got to fall on my knees. I've got to get out of my couch potato Christianity that I've grown up with here in America. Oh, Lord, please come to me and change my heart and use me to serve you. Mm -hmm. That's what I saw. That's what I heard. And I think that will be the fruit born out of this. And I I don't know what the Lord's going to do with it. You know, I'm no seer. But I think the Lord's going to use this, and I think he's used it in my heart, too. And thank you for letting me just talk to friends in Western Michigan. You got it, Charles. And got to get out of my couch potato Christianity. Mm. You know, what does that look like? Yesterday, I was talking with Bob Blinko of Frontiers, and I was going to go on this trip into Iraq with Bob last year, and I... I had other commitments, so I didn't go, but that trip never happened <laughs> because our contact in Baghdad was martyred for oh, his faith. Goodness. And so, you know, I think of <laughs> the easy, comfortable life that I have in America. And then I think of this brother, 45 years old, with a wife and four kids who was gunned down. But in that, in that experience, hundreds of Muslims came to this widow's home and just mourned and grieved and saw the injustice in this. And she was able to share the gospel with, with all those people who came to express their, their sorrow. And so they took the gospel back to their homes. So in this man's death, you know, the gospel went out in a way they could have never imagined. Mm -hmm. And so I compare, I can compare my comfortable American life with this dude And that just calls me up. That just Mm -hmm. raises the bar for me. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes we feel like, you know, it's risky for us to share our faith at the grocery store or with, you know, people we rub shoulders with who, who aren't, um, don't seem to be warm towards the message. Like that's the big hardship that we Mm -hmm. have to endure as Christ followers is that people might not agree with us. And mm-hmm. it's like, there are Christ followers who are putting their very lives on the line. It's, it's a good reminder, right? Of what it means to, to give it all up for Jesus. So do you ever feel like you watch the news or you're on social media and you kind of become aware of things that are happening in the world around us, things that are just not holy, they're not God. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay home. I'm just going to turn off the TV. I'm just going to not be exposed to this stuff because you don't want to be influenced by it. 
I get this. I get this. You know, we want to protect our hearts and we want to, we want to be like Jesus in a world that's very not like Jesus. So I got to tell you about something that happened to me while I was flying home on Tuesday. I get in the plane and I'm, I'm in the middle seat between two guys and the guy who's against the window has got his hood up over his head. And I'm like, cool. He's planning to take a nap. He's totally chill. The guy on the other side of me has got, he's gaming. He's got his phone and he's got a console, you know, that's mm-hmm. Bluetooth to his phone or whatever. And he's, he's gaming or whatever. And I'm like, cool beans. I'm going to hunker down and get some work done right here in between these two guys. It, it was Southwest where you pick your own seat kind of thing. But there I am in the middle seat and then hoodie guy starts coughing. And I'm like, Oh no, you know, when you're in in an airplane, it just feels like you're, you're all sharing each other's air and breathing each other's stuff. And I'm like, I could see myself like physically (laughs) turning the other direction a little bit and like, Lord, please don't let me get sick. Please don't let me get sick. I do not want to get sick, you know? And this was like several minutes, several times he would cough and I would pray, Lord, please don't let me get sick. And then all of a sudden I had this thought like interrupt my, you know, my, my panic about getting sick. And the thought was just this, Jesus wouldn't be worried about catching this guy's cold. He'd want this guy to be healed. I'm a daughter of the King. I don't need to be sitting here all worried about getting sick. And I felt this like confidence rise up in me and this clarity about what to do. So I just started praying for the guy. I was like, Lord, thank you for keeping me healthy. Will you please heal this man in Jesus name? Just take away his cough, take away any symptom that's related to the cold. I just pray healing over him from the top of his head to the bottom of his toes that from this moment forward, it would just be strength that he would be made well. And like all my worry just went away. Hmm. And I even ended up taking a little bit of a nap. I was totally at peace. I feel myself getting better already <laughs> as well. <laughs> Man, you just you just prayed me to another level there. What an upside down way of thinking though, right? Like that, oh, I'm going to get it. Oh, I'm going to catch it. You know, I need to watch myself. I wish I had sat in a different seat. You know, if I can somehow pull a little farther away, I hope I don't breathe that air. You know, all those things. It's like, come on. We are children of the King. We got to know who we are. We're carriers of the gospel. And when we can speak these things out in Jesus name, we have the spirit of Jesus in us. The same spirit that was in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you and me. And we're not here to hide away. We're not here to pull back from the world to just, you know, shut all the curtains and lock the door and hope that we remain unaffected. We're here to have impact. We're here to represent Jesus to the world that we live in every single day, whether that's at work or on an airplane or at the grocery store or pumping gas or like just in the conversations at the bank, whatever you're doing today. Yeah. He wants us to go into the mess. Yeah, He wants us to go into the chaos and bring his love and bring his presence and bring his spirit. And I think of the early Christians, we're talking, you know, the first 300 years of the church from the first century to, you know, 300 AD. So would it be 100, 200, 300? So it'd be almost to the year 400, first three centuries of the church. Anyway, uh, when there were plagues that happened in the cities, and that would happen a lot because they just didn't have the sanitation that we do, the the wealthy people and really all the regular people, common people would just leave the cities, Mm. but the Christians would stay. And they would minister to the sick. And many Christians would die because of that, but they still stayed. Mm-hmm. And they weren't they weren't counting their 
their lives gained. They were counting their lives lost. They were living in the Jesus way. And so there is, there's a cost to going into the chaos. Yeah. And from a spiritual standpoint, you know, I think sometimes I need to be reminded that he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And instead of stepping about fearfully that I'm somehow going to be tainted or I'm going to be influenced by the ideation of the world, by the way that they think and the, you know, the things that they do and the choices that they make to realize that I am other, I am a part of this other kingdom. I come from someplace else and, and we have the opportunity, you know, we, we don't need to be fearful about being influenced. We need to be confident about being the influencers you right, know what I mean? Right. Well, we're to stay away from the, don't love the world. It says in the world, in, in the, the word, <laughs> but that means the world's value system. Right. But we, God so loved the world, the people of the world. Right. We're to love the people of the world, not the values of the world. Right. And Jesus himself, you know, he got called out like, what are you doing up in there with the sinners and the tax collectors? He was amongst the people that he was bringing the good news to. Second Corinthians 520 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You and me, we're the messengers as though God were making his appeal through us. So today, man, as you go about your day, God goes with you. May his kingdom come and his will be done on earth through you and me as it is in heaven. Charles, I know you went as a bit of a skeptic. You've got some skeptic in you. What did your visit do with your skepticism? I think the Lord moved because in five days, I didn't hear anybody talk politics, not one single time. And then also, I didn't hear anybody talking about denominationalism. And so you had like the Catholic priest from nearby Lexington, that's the larger area that you fly into. He brought his whole congregation down to this revival. Oh, my gosh. You've got the Reformed Presbyterian PCA pastor who wrote an article after coming down saying, I think this is really of the Lord. You had Pentecostals, you had holiness people, and they're all coming together. And I went to the only black church across the tracks in Little Wilmore, Kentucky of 6,000. The place was packed. And I met the Baptist pastor as a doctorate. He's out of Liberty University. And he he said, I'm a, I'm a Baptist black preacher. He said, and he folded his arms and he said, I had skepticism on my face. He said, I wanted to support these students. And we were taking water over there because, you know, there's one little IGA food store and and they were out of food because all these 12,000 people were coming in every day to a town of 6,000. So they were driving into Lexington, buying water and giving it out to people standing in line. He missed the first day or two. He showed up about the third night and he's praying for about an hour with his arms folded, not believing that the Lord could do anything in his heart. And then all of a sudden, a man standing next to him who had been there for that hour taps him on the shoulder and says, may I pray for you? Hmm. Well, you know, he didn't really want to be prayed for. But if you're a pastor, a minister of the gospel, and you're a Baptist, well, yeah, please pray for me. The guy did. And it was a fellow pastor from Lexington nearby that he had never met. And the guy's prayer was, Lord, 
would you bless my brother and renew in him the spirit that you gave to him? And I don't mean spirit in any kind of a weird sense, the spirit of ministry that you gave to him when you first called him to be a preacher. Hmm. And this pastor, a Baptist black pastor with a doctorate from Liberty University, responded and said, how did you know that's what I've been praying for for the last three weeks? Hmm. Well, that's the Lord. So, Charles, what did you see when you were there? From what I saw, Perry, I didn't hear anybody trying to claim they'd raised the dead. No miraculous things. It was a change in the heart that was taking place. And people who came were sensing the glory and the presence of God, and they were undone. That's what I mean, Perry. That's, I mean, you remember that from your childhood. Yeah. But there are these moments when the Lord shows up. Yep. And I know it's happened to you since then. And it's happened to me since then. And it's not just the day of my salvation. That's what grace is all about. And you and I have talked about this many times. Grace is something that starts at a point in time, but grace is never finished until we're totally free indeed. And we're in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's with us, but he's also not yet. Mm. And that's the glory. And frankly, do we need anything right now, Perry? I think I need a revival in my heart, and I think I've found a revival in the last few days. Mm. But I think that revival can be shared. So I need to go and tell. Yeah, we need to share what the Lord pours into us. And, you know, we use these words revival and awakening and outpouring and Really, it's just, it's relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's experiencing the presence of the Lord. It's having him fill us up with his spirit. It's having our eyes open to the risen Jesus. And, you know, I love it when something like an Asbury happens and people just experience God's presence on a large scale. You had 12,000 people coming in every single day. But I need this, you know, I need this in my own life regularly. That's why I preach the gospel to myself because the gospel is what brings the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I just want to, you know, I don't want to wait for a, a certain thing to happen, you know, in a certain place at a certain time. I need to just walk with Jesus and experience him every single day. Every single day. And we have that opportunity. And even throughout the day, you know, I'm I'm leaning in. I'm trying to practice the presence of God and be aware of the fact that he is with me, that that is a reality that is always true. And I want to be mindful of it all the time as, as he is faithful. I want to be faithful. And as I'm leaning into that, what I'm realizing is how often I am unaware that he's right here right now. And so every time that we forget, we just refix our eyes back on him. Mm -hmm. And I love that they're calling this at Asbury. They're calling it the outpouring, Mm -hmm. the outpouring of the Holy spirit. And here's what Matthew 7, 11 has to say about the outpouring of the Holy spirit. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And that very specifically, that good gift that Jesus is referring to is the gift of his spirit, of his presence. 
Thanks for listening to Perry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.